Well, <laughs> what's up, Dylan? How are you, man? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm chilling, bro. Guys, so Dylan and I met probably about like a week and a half ago now. Yeah. He did um, the show at City Winery, and he was very funny, man. Very funny comedian. Oh, th- I try, man. <laughs> you try, word. So where are you from initially? I know you're here in New York for about a month, you were telling me. Yeah, so I'm living in Austin right now, and then before that, I was L.A., and then before that, Chicago, and then I mainly grew up in Colorado. Okay, and you went from Colorado to L.A. just to pursue comedy stuff? To Chicago uh, to do film school. I did film school there, and then that brought me out to L.A. to do, like, the whole internships thing. But then I uh, I needed a job, so I got work as a personal assistant, and it happened to be for Pauly Shore. And then he taught me, like, the he showed me the ropes of... Like L.A. comedy. That's hilarious. So you think that your film school days, though, brought you to that type of job when you went back to L.A.? Y- yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I was just doing internships in the office, doing development sort of stuff, and just wasn't for me. Uh, too much stress and, like, you know, long hours, and then... That's how I got like really into stand up. How old were you at the time when you were the uh, when his when you were his assistant? I was in like like twenty three. And that film school was what two years? It was a four year, and then I took five years to do it. So, oh damn, dude. Okay, so did you always know that you wanted to get into comedy, or what were you looking for when you were looking for a job in L.A.? Working for Polly is when I really dove into it. Dove into it, and then I quit the film stuff completely. How was it growing up in Colorado? Like, were you the class clown in high school? Yeah. Yeah, I was for a lot of it. You know, I was pretty like, I was one of those kids that could get away with a lot. So like, I would always get in trouble, but my teachers kind of liked me. So, you know, so I, I kind would, of felt like I was that way as well. Like really? I would get in trouble, but there were some teachers that really fucked with the way I was getting in trouble. Like I would say funny things and they'd be like, ah, I can't really laugh at that. But you know, um, On the, the person, yeah, the person in me wants to laugh. The teacher can't. Yeah. So it's kind of like that with you. I always love teachers like that, that you, it's like, I know they you get it. Yeah. They get it, bro. Like they can right. be good teachers. It's always good to have somebody who can be very serious. And then, you know, in the drop of a hat can be super funny. It's always, great to meet a person like that oh, you know who was that teacher for you i'd say it was probably joanna pickett my fifth grade music teacher bro <laughs> if she's listening what's up joanna uh but she was more of the blatant ones i'd say there were other teachers that were like fucking with my shit for the like when i would interrupt class and stuff but she was the one who you could really tell that she thought i was funny and she would let me get away with nonsense like i'd be crawling into cabinets during recorder practice and she'd be like ha 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 dad is so funny and then other kids in the class would get so pissed during recess like oh you're such a teacher's pet when in actuality i was just fucking doing me man like that was the most authentic me yeah right damn it was hilarious and then looking back on it i really resent the teachers that try to beat that out of you like i would that was one of my angers in life think about it man it makes sense but but also isn't that kind of like life everyone just trying to get you to be more serious all the time. Like, dude, I, I remember you walked right on the stage at City Winery mm-hmm. and you were like, I mean, your opening line was hilarious. You're like, oh, another fat guy on the show. And then you like threatened to jump in the, the crowd. I don't know how, how often you do that or if I'm ruining your bit, but like <laughs> that stuff is so fucking funny. Like you just right away thinking about like the physical parts of comedy and also like the interrupting parts, which gets teachers pissed. But like the physical part, you can't help but laugh at a person who's doing funny shit like that. Yeah, well, it's, I always find it really fun like you like whenever you do a show with like 
Because that city, city winery show, it seemed like a little more like upscale clientele. And I love making those people like get out of that because I feel like their whole lives are having to, yeah, having to do that. And it's hard to get them out of that sometimes. So it feels really good when you can make those people like feel silliness again. Well, being in Austin for a while, what do you think the kind of clientele is there? Like the people who come to see comedy because I haven't been to Austin yet. There are a lot of tech people that have moved in. They're the ones with like, the disposable income for shows. I mean, not that other people don't, but they, they, uh, a lot of tech people have been at shows. So they're, they're like young professionals. And I think they also like breaks from like the, that world around them, like the tech uh, atmosphere. Are they coming to laugh? Do you feel like some are, some are stuck in, you know, they're still acting like it's 3 PM on a Wednesday. You know, so that's kind of tough. What's like, I mean, New York is so big, but what have you, what do you think the audience is like here? I think that it varies from like club to club. You know, you mentioned the place where I saw you, City Winery, and you think about, okay, people are going there. They're probably having dinner at the show. They're getting maybe an expensive bottle of wine because the place is called City Winery. So like they're known for having, I'm sure, thousands of bottles there. Yeah, so you go to there and you figure each person is going to spend you know, at least $50, you know, per person, something like that, food and drinks. And you would look at that kind of crowd and you'd be like, oh, maybe they're like the upper crest of the New York City comedy watching scene, which I would say is probably true. But maybe when you go to a place like Comedy Cellar, it's nice, packed in, lower ceilings. Everybody knows that this is the place we go to have fun and laugh. Like this is the only thing that we're probably doing tonight. We're going to this comedy show. We know exactly what we're doing. Maybe you go to the stand and you'll have a nice meal and you'll see some comedy. But like you're going there potentially maybe for the food because the stand at the food the stand at the food. The food at the stand is known to Incredible. be like very good. Yeah. But then if you figure you go to a place, let's say you go to a comedy show 9 p.m. on Wednesday, it's free in the middle of Brooklyn and you're kind of looking for that clientele. I say it in such a fancy way, but you're looking for the audience who kind of has the same similar humor as you, you know, like right. approaching 30 younger professional, but like is going out and looking to drink a few beers. Maybe it's a BYOB type of show. So I think in New York, you really do see a ton of different crowds, which is good to have always, you know, like I haven't been doing open mic in a few months, but I just remember any open mic was just such a different environment. It could be like right. a 10 person open mic where there's like a big crowd, kind of a bringer open mic, or it's just 12 comics all looking at their phone type of mic. So right. New York city is beautiful in that you really can find every single type of audience member. I'm not sure if you've heard of the show at the juke bar. They do it on Wednesday. It's called village idiot. It's basically just like, a stand-up show right in the middle of the bar. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah's, right? Uh, so, it's uh, Isaac and Andrew Ginsburg who do oh, that. Oh, yes, I did that, yeah. Oh, yeah, you did yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, Dude, yeah. I'm, that's what I was thinking. I was pretty sure I saw you love, on that flyer. So how did you Ginsburg. feel? Yeah, how did you yeah, feel about that? It was great, because like you're saying, it's totally different. And then... You've never done something like that? Well, it, not so close together, you know, like in terms of like days, because like you're saying, you could do like a spot. I, I did one where I did like a show in Manhattan and then I did a show directly after at like a bakery in Brooklyn. Was it the same, to, day, same night? Mm-hmm, same night. And it very different audiences, you know, and, and how they react to your material. Did you find yourself adjusting? Yeah. Yeah. Because you had to because it was like... uh some people like more conversational and then, then others you could tell they just wanted like punchlines. Do you also find that New Yorkers maybe more so than LA and Austin kind of like to be involved 
mm-hmm. in the yeah. in the set a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. There were, I, and I like that a lot. And I feel like I don't always get to do that because, uh, like, I always like to. I like the sets where you start off and it's like kind of slower at the top, but you're like saying hi and like I, that. That feels more natural to me of how you would like talk with a person, you know, like the conversational. Uh, I guess. I don't know how you would describe it. No, I think that makes sense. And being here, I mean, you've done, how long have you been here? I've been here since like October 2nd, October 3rd. Damn. And you've got up every single night for the most part, right? Pretty much. If not shows like, you know, mics and stuff, but that's great, man. That's great. So you spend a good amount of time in LA. Are you living there now? You're going to go back after, uh, this month. No, so I'm living in Austin right now. And then, you know, we're waiting for the Holy club and then. Uh, from there, I'm going to decide whether to stay or if you, I did what's move a, again. What's a holy club? What do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, the, the, the Rogan club. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then that, when's that opening? Apparently in January. Yeah. So, but it's right on sixth street. There's a bunch of other clubs. So once that opens there, there's like three, four clubs actually in like a five minute walk from each other. So it'd be some, if you definitely, if you ever want to come to Austin, it's definitely a great place where especially when that club's opens. And then they have a new, there's this club called Cap City that had an old location, but they just open in a like mall area. That's really nice. It's like a good like 350 kind of uh, venue, but it, it's cool. I've been to Texas many a times, but like playing tennis, I used to play tennis very seriously, but I haven't been there for comedy. You used to work at the comedy store in LA saw that yeah, in your Instagram right. bio. What was that? What was that like? Uh, it was great, man. Is so it was like a door guy position. So you audition on Mondays. They have this thing called potluck, which is like their open mic and like 15 people get chosen out of like hundreds. And then, uh, Adam Eget, well, the, the guy who used to be the talent coordinator booker there, he would sit in the back and then every once in a while they'd, choose somebody to work as a door guy. And then when you worked as a door guy, you would open up the shows. Like you do the, you do like the death five, you know, like the, like the opening. Cold open. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dope, man. And then sometimes you get development spots. So it was great because you would like, it taught you how to like, all right, I've got five minutes at the top of the show. People are still sitting down. They fucking hate you for some reason. <laughs> Cause you know, you're, a lot of times you would seat the people that then you would go in front of. And people are insufferable, as you know. That the, the you know, like they're just like, I don't want to sit in the front or like and and I'm trying to get like three hundred people in a room with like two, three other guys, you know? So I had to kind of be a dick. And, and then as then soon as up, as soon as you funny. sit and as soon as you sit everyone, you go up on stage, you're like, Oh, what's up, motherfuckers? I just sat yeah, all of you. Yeah, I don't know if you yeah. saw that Richard Pryor special where he was on stage and everybody was walking in and he just started shitting on everybody walking in. He's like, You motherfucker yeah. ass motherfucker <laughs> yeah. type like all that. All the late people that were yeah, late. Yeah, yeah. That was so great. Hilarious, man. That's great. So would you say that getting this position working for a comic like Polly Shore made you get into comedy or would you not have gotten into comedy? What was the deal? Were you performer in high school and such? Yeah, I would like perform in high school, but I think I just wasn't as comfortable doing it on stage. But then I did it like right when I moved to Chicago and I thought it was fun. There, it was my first, do you remember your first like uh, Mike or like your first time you went up? Dude, I don't know. You know, was it in like, New York? So this is what, yeah. So this is what I first started 
Well, I was, I was always, I always love improv. So in college, I was taking acting classes, improv classes, loved it, came to the city, started taking UCB for like a year and a half and then didn't take it so seriously. Took like six months off, whatever. I worked for my dad at this point in time. So just doing improv, I always loved to freestyle rap with my friends. So I would go to this free show Shout out Black Cat. Still, they still do it 9 p.m. on Fridays, Lower Black East Cat. Side. Oh, yeah? It's my favorite mic in the city. Oh, dope. So they do a show there Friday night at 9 p.m. Tonight, as we're recording this. If you, I, I might stop down there. If you're free, you should. Uh, but they have a great show. People stop by before they go to the cellar and then all their spots down there, Grizzly Pear, whatever. I would go to this this specific show, 9 p.m. at the Black Cat, because I would have a lot of friends on it, because I was always friends with comedians. I would like go around to shows, see people, and I started freestyle rapping on this show. i take a topic from the crowd. They'd be like, banana, and I'd be like, oh, banana, that's really cool. But every single day, I used to smoke pot in school. And I'd say that, and then i go on for like three minutes, whatever. i do that, and then like before I was doing freestyle raps, I'd do like a minute on top. I was just so nervous when I was going on stage just like this started probably six years ago once I was doing this so for no joke like two years almost every other Friday I was just doing that like doing improv class freestyle rapping at this comedy (laughs) show so I never really got comfortable in doing my five minutes of stand-up comedy until probably like four years ago I would do those open mics but dude I would do one every two months and I would just be shitting myself I'd be so nervous going up on stage and then within like the last three and a half years i started to put together ted jones comedy show and then i've become way more comfortable on stage <laughs> since then that's, and that's it's hard at the beginning too because no one tells you that not only are you not going to be good in the beginning but people aren't going to like you for it <laughs> you know what i mean like you remember your first open mic yeah i well i remember it was in chicago and there was a guy who had a 7-eleven like a box you know of uh like for soda cans and he wore the box on his head like a 12 pack oh you mean like the ones yeah. that they would put beers in like the the football no helmet? like the literal cardboard box that like soda comes in and like cans of soda oh, and he okay, ripped okay. it open and wore it and he did just like a dinosaur for like five minutes and i was like all right i guess i'll go up and then i went up there and kind of fumbled and did like an impression of like a drunk lady that I remembered it was bad but you know it was it was fun but then like later uh in Chicago I would do some mics there but I got really discouraged because I was bad and then you know people aren't really like welcoming of people who are bad at comedy how old were you at that time I must have been like 20 18, you were like, young 18, Did you go to college yeah yeah I went to uh, Columbia College, Chicago is like an art school. Oh, okay, so you were able to do mics when you were at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it very infrequently because I was <laughs> so bad, and like that mixed with, uh, you know, not being like welcomed in. I didn't really feel, you know. Do you ever get onto shows in Chicago, or did, did that not come till later? No, that didn't happen till later. Then I started to do like. Or actually, there was a show. There's this rock bottom, this place called Rock Bottom. It's like a glorified Chili's. And my friend threw a show on the top of the of the restaurant. So we would do that. So that was like my... And I like recorded it and everything like a douchebag. I was like, you know, like a year in or whatever. And then I was like, my comedy special. And I had a whole montage of walking to the club and like going on the subway. How much time did you end up doing? Probably like 10, but it was okay. very, very loose. When you met Paulie Shore, though, did he give you a lot of 
I mean, a lot of advice, words of aspiration. Yeah. So I would, most of my job was. And how, sorry. And how old were you at that time? This is when you were working at the comedy store? Um, no, this was before I got a job at the comedy store. I, it was like right when I went to LA for internships after I got a job there. I must have been like maybe 21 or something like that, 22. And so part of my job was transcribing. He would do these voice notes. They'd be like, you know, I saw this girl today, da, da, da. She called me this because I, da, da, da. So I transcribe all that. And that kind of like taught me how to write material because he would just record his thoughts and then I type them all out. And then he would use that, that type to like fill in the blanks. And I always thought, I was like, oh, this is like, terrible <laughs> you know but then he would go to the club and then perform them and then he would just murder and then i got like that gave me the sense of like how a joke works and and how to put things together how'd you get that gig um it, it was random it was like he didn't put it was for him it was just like a random call i need like an assistant and so i just said i'm an assistant and he said to send in a funny video so i sent in a video and then I went there, and then that's that's how, yeah. What made you move to Austin? Um, well, Red Band, Brian Red Band, uh, who I'd met through the comedy store, he was like, move out to Austin. Everyone's you know, moving here. I'll help you out. And L.A. was pretty dismal. So I took the... And when was that? That was, I moved January 1st, 2021 to Austin. And then, yeah, and then I've been there since. How did the pandemic affect you, if at all? I originally, uh, so I, I, I was on acid <laughs> uh, the day they did the big announcement on TV of, like, everything's getting shut down. You know that first, like, two weeks or whatever? Yeah, or that, the, the, the only two weeks that we thought we were going to be stuck yeah. inside for you. Yeah. <laughs> right. You remember, like, the, I'm sure, like, here the bodegas in the grocery store, everyone was, like, nuts and, like, piling in and grabbing all they could. Yeah, toilet paper. Right? So I took acid on that day. So I was freaked out. I was like, they're going to shut down the borders. They're, <laughs> they're going to do all this stuff. So I, me and a friend, Cooper, who's also a comic, he's He's a door guy at the comedy store now. We decided to go to drive from L.A. to my parents have a cabin in South Colorado. So and then we just thought we'd be there for two weeks. And we ended up staying like three months in the cabin, in the cabin, was it like good enough size, though, for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it's like a three bedroom. I'm and it has like a, a cabin in the woods, bro. <laughs> yeah. And out. Like burn no. And kill. <laughs> no, they had Wi-Fi. So that was good. Okay. So we just like watched Sopranos and like bullshit around podcasts and stuff like that. Did that make you want to leave L.A., though? No, it was when it was after when I went back to L.A. when it, we were still in lockdown. I just uh, I just thought, you know, why the hell not? Where did you live in L.A. at the time? I was at that time. I was in North Hollywood. OK, so I was in L.A. I told you like three or four weeks ago and we stayed on. Was it North Cowahunga? How do you say that, bro? I think it's Cowanga. Yeah, Cowanga. <laughs> That's where it was. It was cool. I I like L.A. more so each time I go back there. But, I mean, compared to New York, I feel like you just get so... Or I know that you can just get so much more done in a day in New York. And you're, you're able to just do things sporadically in New York. You know, you don't drink too much and then you can't drive your car. Like If you drink too much, you hop in an Uber to the next party and then, you know, take a cab from there. So there are just so many things that are different. Did you ever feel 
claustrophobic in LA and now you're in Austin and have more breathing room? I guess. I don't know. Just Austin, it seems like a lot smaller, but there's a lot of like clubs, you know, uh, I feel like I had more of a, I feel like I had more of a pull in Austin because LA was one of those cities where it's like, and I think similar to New York, maybe it's like you can get credits, but it still doesn't make you a person that's like bookable all the time. So, I mean, I was getting good spots and stuff in L.A., but in Austin, I was able to start running longer sets because I was like in a smaller scene. So were you not doing showcase shows then in Austin or was it just like you and two other people doing 30 minutes each? No, we they do showcases and it's built a lot like they built uh, a new creek in the cave um, out there. So it, it ranged, but like I was able to start doing weekends in Austin and I hadn't before. And my whole like goal is to be working on an hour. So that helped me like have a little more time to understand longer sets, which I hadn't really had much experience in. Where are you at right now? You think in terms uh, of an hour? I'm probably like halfway there, you know, but again, then, then the more you do, the more you're like, this old joke is shit, you know? So, and is that a YouTube post? Do you think once you get the hour or maybe a Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, I'm always curious. I don't know. I think I want to try to make it a diamond. And if no one bites, then, then YouTube, you know, just try to make it as packed as possible. And if no one buys it, then yeah, you do it on your own. But this is the age where people are doing it on their own and finding even more success from those other, you know, outlets. Yeah. Or, I mean, people put it up on YouTube and then down the road it could be bought, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always look at some New York comics I really like, love, and respect is like Mark Norman and Sam Morell is like. And they, Shane, they put it on YouTube. Yeah, they put it on, and they fucking are killing it. And you see what, what happened with Schultz as well. Yeah, Schultz especially. He fucking rocked it over the pandemic. He was, like, content king. I don't know if that was your view, but, like, I just remember seeing so much of this guy I'd never seen. And, yeah, well, and I put think out that, great stuff. that's when he really cranked it up. He was the one who started really putting up crowd clips and crowd work clips, you know? Like, people didn't yeah. want to ever really blow their material on Instagram. But I think he made it where creators, I mean, myself included, we feel like more comfortable putting up jokes that maybe you wanted to keep for a while, but then putting it on YouTube, seeing if it hits, and then people will come to the show maybe to hear that joke. Comics have been bagging up phones for years, you know? And like yeah. we're starting to see the online comedy shows, people potentially doing comedy in the metaverse. You know, you put on your headset and then you see these people on stage, a hologram, whatever. I think the younger generation will put on that headset to see a 10-minute set from you or I, maybe down the line, you know, like once the kid realizes that they can see an hour of all their best stand-up comics just from a headset... I think that that kind of gives it like a YouTube vibe, you know, where as long as there's enough of a real feel to it and the comics are grabbing the attention of the audience with a headset on, I think it could be super successful. But in terms of a one comic doing one hour with like a headset on, it's tough because you have to hold somebody's attention for an hour. You know, people on TikTok, if the first second isn't funny <laughs> or doesn't draw them in, you know, you're scrolling to the next thing. So I think that having the headset, having the hour comedy shows where you really feel like you're there, 
I think that could be successful. But comics, on the other hand, have to be more comfortable with letting their material fly, if not for free, for very cheap. Yeah, yeah, especially. That's how, I mean, that's how most of them do it, is they build that huge audience. And then, and then you get the Patreon going, yeah. you know, the specials, whatever. Yeah. But I think it's it's going to be an interesting next two to three years with YouTube potentially taking a ton of viewers from the Netflix subscription, the Hulu subscription, the Amazon. Yeah. YouTube is free. It's not nine 99 a month. So the younger generation, I think is just going to continue to use YouTube more, follow the creators that are on YouTube, a Mr. Beast. You see how crazy he's doing nuts. And then even the clips that Joe Rogan puts up, I mean, they do very well on YouTube. I don't think he's allowed to put full episodes on YouTube now because he has that Spotify Spotify deal. Yeah. But, I mean, YouTube is a great medium. And you see somebody funny on YouTube, that'll make them want to come to a comedy show or maybe go to that spot on the road that you're doing in Minnesota. You know, like, oh, yeah, he was on my YouTube shorts. Let's go see him in Minnesota an hour away. Something like that. What's what's your process like dealing with, like, the online content? Or well, I, th- I think that I have, like, well, I've built a schedule where I'm releasing two podcasts and two vlogs a week for sure. Monday, Thursday, the podcast, and then Tuesday, Friday, the vlog. Holy shit, that yeah, much? Bro. Yeah. Damn. So I, I've been super consistent. Like if you look back, any any one of you listening or watching, if you look back at my videos, man, the last two and a half years, I have not missed a podcast in 15 months. And then since we started the vlog, I haven't missed a vlog. Holy but shit. in general, I think it's just like, Putting out the content online, I really like doing it. I really like uh, editing, editing the vlogs and podcasts and then also showing like the behind the scenes of everything. So kind of keeping everything cradled together. And like if you listen to the podcast, you'll know what I was talking about on the vlog where I had interview questions in Melrose. So you'll know what I'm talking about on the podcast because you watch the vlog and then you'll see the Ted Jones comedy show or you'll see me at New York Comedy Club tomorrow at five, something like that. So you'll always kind of have an avenue to follow me on. That's amazing, man. I, it's a whole new world. Seems like a bunch of pioneers. Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, once we start making a ton of money from doing this and we get the feedback that we want from people, I think that's when it'll be worth it. But until and then, then, I'm just gonna have <laughs> yeah. fun, bro. And then, and then we're gonna get super jaded about it. That's yeah. what I'm excited for. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, jaded and like, ah, uh, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, I don't need fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. No, I think it, it speaks for you know, it speaks for people wanting to do what they want to do and not necessarily having to be paid a billion dollars each time that they do something. Like in starting it, they like the process, and then eventually. I don't know. This is what I've heard from people who have lived before me. The money comes, you know, (laughs) the fun and doing what you want to do first. Who got you into it? Into what? Uh, Comedy in general. Like, were there people in your life or people that you would watch and be like, I want to do that? Well, I think that so it started in middle school. I got the lead play part when I was. 13 and the I was in sixth grade and the eighth graders had a play and I got the lead part in the eighth grade play because the eighth grade Romeo bully had academic probation so I replaced him in the play from that point forward I was just like oh I love performing I would take acting classes for a little bit I was doing some modeling but I never took it seriously I really was a avid tennis player and I played tennis in college 
for two and a half years. And then once I was not on the team anymore in college, I was able to take more improv acting classes, got out of school. I was like, what the shit do I do? I started working at my dad's company for six years. And that was a very like cushy job, comfy, you know, working for your dad. You can't, I can't beat it. Yeah. Yeah. You really can't. So during that time I was going to comedy shows, Julio Gallerati, who I'm not sure if you know, he's a, he's a comic who has a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I would follow around Julio to comedy shows for like two and a half, three years, just going to all these shows. And I met all these people before I was even in the comedy game. It was kind of like, it sounds like kind of like your situation working at the comedy store where you see, and you know, all these people before you were in the lineup with them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff like that. So I started following him around. I got the comedy bug, I guess. And a couple of years later, I started doing it seriously. I started taking it more seriously, for sure. Hell yeah. Yeah. What is, um, do you think you'll always be in New York? Yeah, man. I think I'll always be in New York. Unless, like, somebody in L.A. Is, brings me, the, gives me the bag, or Miami, <laughs> Europe, something like that. Then I'd, I'd go to one of those places if the bag was being given. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If the bag's there. Yeah, dude. What about you? Um... I, I want to move everywhere. I want to live everywhere. I, I mean, I love New York. Um, I think if I moved anywhere else, it would probably be here. Um, just the city. And, uh, like, I, I notice even just being here, small things, like the act of going to a mic and having to, like, walk more each day just puts me in a better mental state yeah that's great man you know just like simple shit like that like in austin i don't walk at all and it's like depressing as fuck but like here you life kind of forces you like get out the door and then you're out you know totally and i mentioned this before i think it was on the last podcast where in new york in a month it'll just be so cold that sometimes you want to stay in and do work and grind instead of being in a california los angeles you're like eh, should i go to the beach <laughs> you know should i waste a little bit of time doing this when in new york it's like all right you got to kind of focus on what you want to focus on and yeah if you want to go outside you are generally going somewhere or you can be walking around Doing whatever makes you happy. Is there like an attitude when people not from New York move here that are like, ah, you don't get New York? Eh, do I have an attitude, you mean? No, in general. I don't think so. I think we would like to believe we're very welcoming to the people who come to New York because it's different, man. I mean, it's different than every other place in the world. I have not been to many, many places in the world, but I just know from what I've heard, it's so different. From any other place. So people who I think come here, you got to have respect for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just if if, like somebody starts doing comedy, you know, you got to have respect for them. If they've been doing it for a few years, you're like, all right, well, I know that you are on the grind. You're doing it. You're trying to make it. So power to you. Right. Damn mics, dude. Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) So you're here for another like week and a half or so? Yeah, about that. What do you got planned for the next week and a half? Uh, Well, not much. I'm just doing mics, exploring around, and then uh, I'm actually going to L.A. for like two days, doing a show there, and then coming back. Oh, nice. And then, yeah, I just want to kind of, as much as I want to do comedy stuff here, I just want to get an overall sense of the city and like explore around. What's been the best part? I like parks. I like parks a lot, like even that Washington Park. Washington or, Square Park. Yeah, that's always just fun. Like, I'll get high and then go there. Love it. And that's a great place to be high at. Totally. And People watching. Just I love that, like, McDougal Street, too, and, like, Sullivan Street. And, um, yeah, just kind of palling around. 
finding good food, getting drunk, you know, having days. Do you have anything you're looking forward to towards the end of 2022? Um, oh, well, I got a... I have a Comedy Central featuring set that should be coming out in this next month. So let's I'm go! Yeah. Amazing, and that's on the YouTube, the Comedy yeah, Central YouTube. The, yeah, how YouTube. long is your spot? Um, well, we did 13 minutes, but I think they're going to edit out some of mine. <laughs> so I think it'll probably close to seven, eight. Is that just to make it fit in the special, or because some of it was inappropriate? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, well, that's a good balance. No, dude, I just like. Man, like, I don't know how that's actually going to turn out because I, I just got like, I got mad and I was just yelling at crowd members and some of it was funny and then some of it wasn't. So. so you think they'll use some of it? Yeah, it'd be hilarious if they only used the parts that didn't work. <laughs> like the when crowd work when did like, you actually shoot it? Um, what was that? Last month. Okay. Yeah, and, and uh, at this venue in Austin, a few. A uh, few LA people, few New York people, and like, do you know uh, Napoleon? Emilio. Uh, yeah, he he was on that. That's how I met him actually. So it was cool to see him out here. Um, yeah, so that's that's the vibe of it. And then we'll see. It's either gonna go well or it's gonna go. I'm sure it'll poorly. go. Well. I'm sure it'll go well. <laughs> and, uh, looks like I'll be going to marketing school. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, dude, I'm sure not. New York could be the end place for you. You think? Could be. I don't know. It's exciting for sure. I would love to live here, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm just going to play the old. What's been super different, though, about coming to New York from being in Colorado, Austin and L.A.? I mean, just. And is this one of your first times here? No, I've been here. I've been coming here since I was like in early college, just because I I mean, but really short stints, like three, four days. So I didn't really, really get it, you know. And here's been giving me a longer time. I would, what would you recommend that I do in my last week and a half? We've been to all the comedy clubs, right? For mm -hmm. the most part. You have any interest in museums? Yeah, I love a museum. Yeah, dude. I think checking out a couple of museums, Museum of Modern Art, uh, whatever type of museums you like, Museums of Illusion on 14th Street. There's a bunch of weird stuff in New York that people would not otherwise go to if they weren't visiting, I'd say. Okay. So like, okay, say, say you had a day where you weren't allowed to work on comedy or content. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. I go on a long walk, man. Go on the West side highway, walk for like an hour, breathe in that fresh, crisp New York air. <laughs> yeah. It's nice, man. I'd recommend doing that big walk. As you were talking about, it helped you clear your oh. head going on a walk, dude. What's that one place? Is it Highline? The Highline over here. Yeah. West side. That's what you should do. Walk on the Highline, then walk down you want to walk all the way down to the world trade center and back it'd be like an hour and a half walk man you should do it that's great i also it. love uh movie theaters here for some reason for oh, some yeah? reason seeing a movie in the city is like Interesting. incredible people in new york still like seeing movies i don't know how it is all over the country i know that you know the movie companies have been struggling for the most part but yeah seeing a movie in new york could be Dude, fun. i went to that alamo draft house in brooklyn and that was a great theater i've been there a few times actually and it's just like it's so it's such a contrast you're like walking around and like people are yelling at each other and like <laughs> <laughs> you're hearing language that's in new york and then yeah. you just it just all stops and you're in this like quiet ass theater I love that shit. Yeah, man. That's New York is escape. great. You have any plans to come back? Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I can. I, I think, well, my friend Brittany, who uh, she's a comic that who I came here with, 
she's thinking about moving here in April. So I'm going to see. Love it. Yeah. Cool, man. Dylan, thank you so much for coming on the Ted Jones World Podcast. (laughs) This guy's hilarious. Dylan, we're going to pop up your Instagram right here. So shout it out. Dylan Ray Soul. Follow me on Instagram. Absolutely. Dylan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And we'll see you guys soon. Peace. Peace.